This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hello, traders, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. Uh, this is the show where we talk about futures, forex, trader psychology, and all things involving the markets. Today, our usual host, Jeff Carter, got called out of town at the last second. So the show format is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I had Mark Meadows and Dan actually join me, Jack Pelzer, in the studio. And we had a conversation about a lot of things, including the Fed and uh, Disney World. I think it's really quite something, and you should give it a listen. Uh, I'm actually joined by our community manager right now. Hello, everyone. Yeah, this is Annie. You were there for part of the conversation. It's good, right? They should listen to it? Yes, I think you should definitely listen to it. Okay, so with that disclaimer, here is the Limit Up conversation for this week. Hello, traders, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I'm Jack Pelzer. I'm Dan Hodgman. And this is Mark Meadows. So this is going to be kind of like uh, what I'm going to call like Pod Save the Nasdaq or something. We're going to have <laughs> a group of us together to kind of dissect the markets today. I thought the Fed was there to save the Nasdaq. No, it's in two weeks. Oh, okay. We have some yeah. time. We have Got some it. time before that. So one of the luxuries of the three of us together right now is there's not a whole lot going on in the market at the second right now because everybody's waiting for what the Fed's going to do in two weeks. And for what we do, right? What are we doing? What are we doing? Well, we're out of the markets right now. We're in this podcast booth. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. We carry massive positions. Yeah, we are yeah. moving and influencing the markets all day, every single yep. day. Um, the, our one lots, two lots, and five lots really make a big difference. Five lots, man. <laughs> you know, when you combine the 3,000 traders or whatever, it gets to be pretty big size. Uh, you've heard all of us talk at some point along the way in the podcast before, but I thought like maybe we would introduce a little of our trading background for those who haven't listened in a while. Absolutely. Well, uh, my name is Dan Hodgman. I've been at this a long time. Here's a little story just to tell you how long I've been involved in this industry. Um, day I was born, the bond market crashed. My dad was actually a bond trader. Uh, the bond market crashed. My first birth certificate, my first real name was Patrick Daniel Hodgman. My mom wanted to name me after my dad, and he refused to have a son with the same name as him. His name's Daniel. So the bond market crashed. He was just starting. He was still young. He just opened up his first account, his first company. And he left me at the hospital right after I was born. He counted all 10 fingers and toes, left. My mom called in the nurse, called in whoever it was and said, all right, we're changing his name. He came back to the uh, the hospital and he was looking around and you know, he looked in the windows and he's looking for uh, Patrick. And he's, he asked, he goes, where's Patrick Hodgman? She goes, I don't have a Patrick Hodgman. I have a Daniel Hodgman. He's over. He goes, no, 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 you have his name wrong. His name is Patrick. And the nurse goes, no, his name is definitely Patrick, or his name is definitely Daniel. And uh, so that was my first introduction to the markets. Then I started trading. Uh, I, st- I got. I <laughs> You're one of those unwanted bond babies right? we always yeah. hear about. Yeah. Like the bond markets go and everyone leaves the baby. Out, palms, right? palms facing outward. He was telling his dad to sell. Right? His dad just ran away and was like, I got to sell. I'm it's about to crash. <laughs> well, what, what about you, Mark? Were you left in any hospitals? Or no, how no. Did you get into trading? I, I got uh, into trading in, in college. Um, started uh, sort of my first love was the foreign exchange markets and won a grant to do some research and kind of I sat down at a desk with a trader and it was the day of the uh, train bombings in uh, Europe 
so I sit down there first time experiencing like the Bloomberg terminal and he's like, okay, what you're going to see is the Swissy will uh, go up to here. The euro's going to fall to here and then we're going to buy and this and that. Oh, it sounds and, like, really easy. <laughs> like, like clockwork, what he said happened. And I was like hooked. Um, and so ultimately stayed in contact with him. He was a former Goldman trader. And um, that was my first job out of college was being his trading assistant uh, for, for two years and stayed in and around markets for, for the rest of my life. That's super amazing. Yeah. Like I also uh, came from a tragic background that got me in the trading. In the- <laughs> Wait, is mine tragic? Oh, well, I, yeah, they claimed. Oh, you're right. They did claim you at the end. They took me home. Okay. And then he he set me up with my first account when I was fifteen. Yeah. I've been trading ever since. Yeah. Oh, all right. I, I don't have, know. It's yeah. still a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's worked out for me. I'm sitting here today. Yes. Yeah. So I uh, I got in the trading um, because I was actually in college during the uh, financial crisis. So like all the jobs that I thought I was going to get as an economics major sort of like evaporated <laughs> overnight. <laughs> And suddenly it starts changing. You know, initially you're like, oh, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be a gold man. I'm going to be doing all this stuff. You wear your like shiny shoes and trying to figure out what you're doing. And the next thing you know, you're just like interviewing any prop firm that'll have you. And uh, that's how I got into it. I loved markets. And then I ended up at a place that was small and grew and then stayed about seven years trading interest rates and spreads and stuff like that. So we got some fixed uh, income and uh, currencies guys here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, using our immense brain trust, we figured we'd uh, talk a little bit about what's going on today. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Obviously, Jack, you kind of mentioned in the very beginning, the first thing we kind of have our eyes on um, upcoming. That is not the constant same noise we hear every single day, but the upcoming stuff. We got the Fed coming out in a couple of weeks. They're going to talk about rates. We're hearing different things from different Fed members right now. A lot of people are saying we don't even want to see a rate cut or rate change through 2020. Um, but there is a lot of pressure on them right now to consider another rate cut in a couple of weeks. Well, let me get on my soapbox here for a second. Why on earth in an economy that is has unemployment at what, 3.1% or 2.8%? I don't even know how low we are now. Um, why do we need to cut interest rates? We don't. We don't. I'm sick and tired of it. Well, There's so many different things we can do out there right now. Whoa. I, I, we don't need to do it. Audit the Fed. <laughs> but what's, what is going to happen if we continue to cut rates and we actually find ourselves in a struggling position? We're, we can't go negative. When Jack started this uh, interview, he didn't know he was in with some Fed truthers. <laughs> if you've seen me on some of our YouTube stuff every so often, Dan's rants comes out. And most of the time it is based off of this want for more rate cuts. I'm sorry, but we don't need it right now. Uh, that's my own opinion. Uh, but a lot of pressure is on them to consider cutting rates. I think there's more that they can do to stimulate, to um, get these equity markets to rally higher. But that's everything they want. Everyone just says, oh, if you cut rates, equity markets are going to go higher. But, I'm sorry, but there's but so do, much more involved. But you are part of the uh, – so like I looked today, right, like right before we came in. And well, we'll let – Annie's been taking some pictures of us. She's going to leave right now. Right. Bye, Bye, Annie. Annie. All right, now we can really go at the Fed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so uh, I was looking today, and so like the uh, implied probability of a Fed cut in October is something like 90% right now. So y- it's going to happen, though, right? But let me ask you this. We're, we're what, 3 3.5% off of all-time highs? No, 1.5%. Not, 
right? One and a half on the NASDAQ. It, okay. uh, Thank you. The December contract high was 80.51 or 80.52, and we closed at 79.50 yeah, or 79.20. I, I know with the exception of like last Christmas, the S&Ps have been at 3,000 for like the last two years. So. Right. We're, we're doing just fine. We're near all-time highs. We're seeing home sales are continuing to happen. People are still borrowing money. We're not having issues. And then there's that constant check of um, people still spending money. You go out on a Wednesday night into a town. Restaurants are packed. People are spending. I was just in Disney World. They say it's the happiest place on earth. It's also the most expensive place on earth. And it is packed to the gills. Wait lines just to get on a ride were three hours. Tell me that we need to continue to cut rates to well, stimulate this economy. No. Well, here's where I'll uh, I'll show a bit of my economics uh, degree uh, and go on the other hand. Um, so on the other hand, though, international <laughs> economies are not doing great. Europe's not doing great. Um, you know, negative interest rates everywhere. And like, they're really struggling to prop their economies. And so part of me does think as the Fed is the central bank to the world and the world is in need of a supply of dollars, that the Fed does need to make monetary conditions easier in order to stimulate this you know, what do we call it? A synchronized global recovery or whatever the buzzword is. And that's a good point to make. My issue is that's not the conversation that's out there. That's and it's not, not the job people, of the Fed. No, and it's not the job of the Fed. It's not the conversation that's out there. That's not what people are talking. They continue to talk about how the equity markets are unstable, that they do continue to have these, I don't even want to call them a flash crash, but small declines. Um, that's why people want to see these rate cuts. So if that's the issue, then we're not going to see the – then rate cuts are understandable. But we, if we continue to cut these rates, we're going to go back to where we were in 2008 when Jack was trying to find a job. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the, the rationale the Fed is using. I don't necessarily think that that's the rationale that President Trump or the markets are using. I agree. And there was, uh, Dan, contrary to your Disney thing a little bit, there was a little bit of softness in the retail number today. And that kind of goes in this whole back and forth thing where like the only thing that's propping up this whole equities market is the consumer at the mo- well, and the Fed. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's hey, the Fed. Yeah. Jack, don't go trying to, to ruin his anecdotes with actual data. That's, that's uh, a good no, point. No, but retail sales. Truly, how bad was it? It was a slight miss. Hey there, it's me, Jack. Uh, we thought we'd take a little break from the podcast right now to do a new segment called Community Questions. And this is where we're going to take some uh, questions we've gotten from our Top Step Trader Facebook community and try our best to answer them as completely and honestly and unfettered as possible. <laughs> so, uh, Annie, you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. Hey, guys. I'm Annie. I'm the community manager here at Top Step. If you're part of our Facebook group, you probably see me posting in there every once in a while. Right on, Annie. So uh, we actually, the reason Annie isn't here, I actually asked our intern, Martin, (laughs) to uh, go and find some of these questions off of Facebook. And then um, he was going to be on the podcast. And then Martin told me that he wasn't going to come today uh, because he's going to Six Flags Great America. Yeah. Because there's a teacher strike in Chicago. (laughs) Good reason, though. I mean, if you're going to miss work, it might as well to be riding roller coasters. Uh, you know, to be to be young again. But, like, <laughs> we're here working while intern Martin's out. I hope he just enjoyed himself. So, Annie, with that, what's uh, our first question? We'll do three of them. Okay. So our first question is from James. And James had listened to an earlier episode of Limit Up where the conversation was around how most successful traders aren't scalping a few tickets all day. Instead, they're capturing the daily trend and riding it in one or two trades. 
So James is curious, on average, how often do traders trade in a day or, let's say, in a week? All right. So I talked to our risk manager, Mick Ironimo, the legend, the legend, I guess, not the legend. <laughs> uh, and uh, Mick only had the information for our funded traders, which is probably who you want to be following anyway. And what he said was, for instance, this morning, uh, I asked him about 11 o'clock and he said among the people that had made trades, uh, it had been anywhere from one trade to 33 round trips. Uh, and he said that probably in a day, on average, it came up to about 10 round trips. But there's a huge variance where we have some people that just make one or two round trips a day and some people that make 50 a day. And obviously, that comes down to what kind of game you want to play and how much in commissions you want to pay. So there's a wide range there. Uh, we'll probably delve into that in a whole episode at some point, but yeah. I hope that helps out. That'd be a good conversation. Okay. Next question is from Roberto. So I think everyone wants to know the answer to this, but how long do traders stay funded once they pass the combine? That is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, once traders have passed the combine, we have seen anywhere from about uh, one hour. I did not, just because I felt like it would be like salt in the wounds, I didn't yeah. try and look at like who blew out a funded account the fastest, but it, it's been very fast. On the other end, we've had people like uh, we've interviewed Charles uh, B. before from Idaho, who's had a funded account for over three years. Yeah. Um, so looking through the sheets, we'll see all different lengths of time people have had it, ranging from days to years. It gets a little bit complicated to give the average because some of that has to do with the number of days they trade to. Like some people will be in an account for a long time, but they're not very active in it. Some people are, you know are in less time, but they're more active on a daily basis. But um, I would say that, yeah, it goes anywhere from a very long time to a very short time. It's however long they follow the rules. Yeah, guess it all depends. Okay, last question. This is from Richard. Richard wants to know, is the max drawdown calculated intraday or end of day? If weekly loss limit is hit first day, are you able to make back profit so you don't break the rule at the end of the week? Okay. So that's like a very important technical question. So yeah. I will preface this answer with you should probably go check out that Top Step Trader support page where they will go into this in detail. But once again, I went to our risk manager, Mick, and asked him the answer to this question. And here was his answer. Good questions. <laughs> it depends on whether it's a SIM account, i.e. a simulated account, or a live account, a funded account, a premium account where you're actually trading the futures. Uh, if it's a SIM account, it's all calculated at the end of the day. In a live account, it's intraday. So basically, Annie, I think you had a good summary of it. Yeah. So this was ask asked in our community, and Mark Meadows actually replied, and he said, the live accounts are the only ones that will be liquidated intraday for the trailing max drawdown. Everything else is liquidated intraday for the daily loss only. Yeah. And as far as the second part of the question, now I'm going back to quoting Mick. In that specific question, if a weekly loss limit was hit on day one, that would mean the daily loss limit was hit on day one, in parentheses, because daily loss limits are the same as weekly loss limits. And the daily loss limits are where the auto liquidators are set. So if anyone ever hit that, they would be liquidated and locked out. So daily loss limit is kind of the exception where it is going to be in real time, intraday, regardless of a simulated or live account. Wow, that is a lot of words, mm -hmm. which means it's a good question. Once again, highly recommend checking out our trader support page. 
Uh, if you guys and gals out there want to know any more about the uh, averages as far as the length of the count and the number of trades, I can dive more into that info in another segment of uh, Trader Questions. Yeah. But for now, Annie, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, now we'll go back to the podcast. I actually don't know what part we're in. So either enjoy uh, Danny going after the Fed or uh, Disney World. All right. We'll see you later. Bye, guys. Well, tell us more about Disney. What do you want to know about Disney? It was great. How was it? Happiest place I've, ever. I honestly, I haven't been there since I was... Uh, 14. I, I was yeah, 14. I was like 14. By I, my, honestly, 14. I think it's probably been about 14 or 15 for me. Uh, it was completely changed. Um, everything's on your cell phone. You know, remember the last... All the cool hip places, the right? they knocked down all that neighborhood in Epcot, and I was like all... Uh... No, we never made it to Epcot, <laughs> no. but remember when you were a kid, and you would go to Disney World, and like there was a girl or a guy standing out there with a chalkboard sign that said the wait time to, for the ride to see how long it was going to be on the ride. Now it's all done on your cell phone. Oh, so this is, though, a, a genius business decision that Disney made. By the is... way, Disney... The company of Disney was founded on this day, October 16th in 1923. Great fact. Yeah, this is the Limit Up podcast, once again, presented to you by the Disney Corporation. <laughs> uh, I think we just got a knock at the door from our attorneys with a cease and desist. <laughs> um, no, so the the genius thing that Disney did, and this is your economics lesson of the day. Is this is the third in, one, Jack, in, right? Instead third of one? focusing on all their energy on how to reduce wait times, which – uh, would be an incrementally more and more expensive proposition. They also focused, slightly impossible. Exactly. They focused on making your time in line enjoyable. So I don't know if you noticed like some of the things, but they nail like so being in line for the ride is two, a ride. There, well, there's two apps. So the first app is just your Walt Disney Experience app. And then the next one, which is really interesting, is the Play Disney. So it just tracks your location. So they're obviously following us everywhere we go. Tracks your location, and it pings a game to your phone of the line you're in. So if you're in line for Toy Story, you're going to get a game with questions and trivia and messing around that's strictly based off of Toy Story. The experience is incredible. I lost – here we go. I lost my wallet the morning of flying to Disney. So I'm – out of money, credit conveniently, cards. <laughs> conveniently, Dan cannot oh, pay for a single part oh, of this no, trip. Oh, no, wait a second. Wait that a happened second. after the like, last company dinner, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Hey, guys, so, I'm out. I have no ID. I happen to get on the plane <laughs> um, I, with an expired passport. Um, I don't know if the TSA is going to be in trouble for that. But we get to Disney, and I'm like, great. How am I going to pay for anything when we get here? They give you a wristband. That wristband was attached to my credit card. So everywhere you went, Whoever was with us, our group, we had three of us, uh, my girlfriend and her daughter and myself, they all had access to my credit card. And everywhere you went, you just touched the thing, punched in your code, and it was your credit card. So I went with no money, no ID, no nothing, and I still spent astronomical amounts of money. So just to bring this Disney lesson back to trading, one of the things I do think that you can like relate to there is fighting the battle you can win, right? You can't win the battle against long wait times. So what can you do to make that time more enjoyable? Yeah. My, my, my grandfather, who is like a huge curmudgeon, not the friendliest guy, he was married three times. I got Grumpy's autograph when we were in Disney. It was nice. awesome. Nice. My grandpa was like Grumpy, but the one time he wasn't, we were in line at Disney World. This is a true story. My uh, mom was asking him why he was like uh, 
so happy he had uh, brought in a thermos full of scotch. <laughs> you could apparently, if you were old enough, get away with that back then. But to get, <laughs> we'll get back to the fact that uh, there's $15 trillion worth of uh, negative yielding debt out there. Yeah, I think that's get the that segue. tagline of the story. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of my grandpa and debt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, left us tons of it. No. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think that maybe these things can go even, you know, between the Fed and like what's going on globally. I think that we could keep on going. I don't think it's insane to say there could be like negative, negative yielding debt in the U.S. I just have a hard time processing this from a common sense standpoint. Why would anyone loan money if you were paying that person to use your money? So let me let me go into and this is like the most intelligent sort of description I've heard about the dynamics in the markets right now. This is not my theory. I wish it was. I wish I was smart enough to to propose it. But so on the why question, um, part of it is you have to. So large pension funds have to hold uh, sovereign debt or similar quality securities. And so the reason that you're now seeing does it have to be U.S. Treasuries? Well, no, but European, right? Like it's it's European uh, pension funds need to hold European debt. I think like it has to be the, of the same quality. Sure, it could be, but where else are you going to go, right? So they're buying U.S. treasuries, but then they also need the yield back. So they're buying these sort of more high risky tech stocks. So that's why you see this dichotomy of uh, bonds going higher at the same time that uh, equities are going higher, and that's that's the only explanation I've heard that makes sense to me. Um, but I, I but don't for know. the average consumer to sit here and say I want to have I want to hold treasuries. If I have, most of us are not in a pension, I don't have a pension fund. That's something I'll there, never. There's have. no pension for traders. There yeah. isn't. We uh, we have to <laughs> we have to create our own retirement. Yeah, I'm going to put my money elsewhere. I'm going to go to an, uh, a private equity firm. I'm going to invest through them, uh, a venture capitalist firm, start doing some more sorts of different diversifying my investment portfolio as opposed to getting into a fund that's going to invest in the treasuries. But that, even to still, me, right, like you, um, you know, as a person, you have, uh, you know, hopefully like an emergency fund or something, whatever it is that you keep in this low yielding asset because you're not in it for the yield. You're in it for the liquidity of the product. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be treasuries. That's that's the point I want to make. It doesn't have to be treasuries. There well, are a lot I of other things we can put – places we can put our money. I think European junk bonds are yielding negative rates now. Um, Is that true? I, I believe no, so. No, I think they are. I know Greece just turned negative. Everyone is just turning negative over there. This is your chance to fact check the Limit Up crew uh, by emailing <laughs> limitup at topsteptrader.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. The, uh, a lot of angry Greek surnames in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I was wondering, this is something I wanted to try out here because I've seen this done on other podcasts and I figured as long as we're experimenting with it, might as well go with it. Uh, would you guys be interested in playing a game right now? Absolutely. Okay, guys, it. I got a game for you. It's called Kramer versus Kramer. Are either <laughs> Cosmo or Jim? Uh, hopefully, Jim and Cosmo. Are either of you familiar with the 1979 Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep movie Kramer versus Kramer? I have heard of it. No, I have, I have not. not never heard of it. it. If you haven't, it's a 1979 American legal drama. <laughs> Starring Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep that tells the story of a couple's divorce, its impact on their young son, and the subsequent evolution of their relationship and views on parenting. 
That is not what we'll be talking about. <laughs> Our Kramer vs. Kramer is I'm going to read you guys seven quotes, and you're going to tell me whether or not Jim Kramer said it. Okay. Okay? Is it Jim Kramer or Cosmo Kramer? He said Jim. <laughs> no, oh. just Jim Kramer. It oh. will be either I will read a quote, and you will say whether it was Jim Kramer or someone else. So okay. it'll be bye-bye-bye uh, or sell, sell, sell. That was Jim Kramer. Right, so bye bye bye. If it's Jim Kramer, that's what we say. Yeah. Oh, God, that's God. what you guys will say. Got we'll make it fun like that. I just can't with that now. Dan, what'd you crack into there? Coors, Coors Light. Coors Light. This episode got... of uh, Limit Up is brought to you by Coors Light. Again, our attorneys at the door. Uh... <laughs> that's fine. I am drinking a War Pigs Three Floyd Foggy Geezer Hazy India IPA. This is at the end of uh, work right now. We're doing this. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. you know work days thirty five in the morning at the end of our day. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. These are going to be quotes. I say it. And either go, you guys can confer, but it's going to be bye-bye-bye or sell-sell-sell. All but right. But this isn't a competition of who's right yeah, more? Yeah, it is. No, it's not going to be. A, it's a competition no. between you and me. I don't think. I think I'm going to fool you on these. Uh, all right? Oh, you're trying to fool us. I couldn't find enough quotes that were kind of like similar back and forth. So these are going to be the seven, all right? So um, this is your first quote. You ready? Bring it on. Okay. You have to throw out all the matrices and formulas and texts that existed before the web. You have to throw them away because they can't take your money anymore, and that's all that matters. We don't use price-to-earning multiples anymore. And this was said in 2000. Sell. So, I'm going to buy it. You guys got to come to a consensus. Oh, oh. we got to beat Or against. I guess you could compete against each other. That's what I we were okay. Okay. compete okay. against, compete against each other. It. All right, I'm selling. Mark's selling it. Bye, bye, bye. That was Jim Kramer in an interview in 2000, just before. Right, putting, putting the, e, putting We're the year on We're not looking at, at so, uh, price to earnings. Yeah, so just uh, price to earnings did not matter anymore in 2000, just before they did. All right, here's the next one. In today's regulatory environment, it's virtually impossible to violate rules. This is something that the public really doesn't understand. It's impossible for a violation to go undetected, certainly not for a considerable period of time. I'm going to buy, buy, buy. I'm selling, sell, sell. We got one sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. No, that is not Jim Kramer. That is not Jim Kramer. That was Bernie Madoff. (laughs) (laughs) Shortly before that all went down. So is the score 1-1 right now? No, No, it's it's 2-1. 2-0. 2-0. All right, all right, all right. Next quote. This is a mental recession. We have... uh, I'm it's, buying. It's tough because they're the Olympics. Yes. Yeah, this, this, is a mental, this is a mental recession. We have sort of become a nation of whiners. You just hear this constant whining, complaining about the loss of competitiveness. America in decline. So bye 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 bye. bye, bye. bye. Sell. This was not oh, Jim Cramer. Oh, this was oh. Senator Phil Graham in July 2008. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, that just started out as a Cramer quote. It did. Well, you guys can be fooled. So what's the scores yeah. right now? It's two, two nothing. nothing. I'm 0 for 3. 2 nothing. Well, How I, many of these do we have? House. 7. 7. So we'll go through. Wow. Okay. Ready? You should be buying things and accept that they're overvalued, but accept that they're going to keep going higher. I know it sounds irresponsible, but that's how you make money. Right now, up is down, left is right, peace is war. Bye, bye, bye. bye. Yeah, that's Jim Cramer <laughs> on Halloween 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want the year before okay. we have to say buy or sell. I just think it's funnier sometimes the reveal. Yeah, All right, fine. yeah the All reveal right. is funnier. All right. uh, nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will probably be a reality within 10 years. Sell. Now I just almost need the points. I'm, I'm going to sell. You guys are both right. No, that was Alex Lutt, the president of the Lutt Vacuum Cleaner Company in 1955. 1955. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's not good. All right. All right. So I am up four to one. Four to two. 
Yeah, right. But we still yeah, got to play this to completion. Uh, this one, 2005, I'll say, because it is uh, important to it. Uh, this is expressing concerns about the long-term viability of YouTube. Quote, there's just not that many videos I want to watch. I'm oh, by, I'm selling by, that. Kramer by, by, by. loves, he's got to love watching YouTube. No, not in 05. Dan, you are correct. No, that is actually Steve Chen, the CTO and co-founder of YouTube. Uh-huh. All right. And finally, um, your money is safe in Bear Stearns. Oh, bye, bye, bye. Yeah, <laughs> Six yeah, days yeah. before they went out of business. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. That was, however, I will give him credit. I didn't say anything. I never said anything. Well, now I've given it away. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, but we have to give Kramer some credit there. That was taken out of some context. You can go to the whole uh, Wikipedia thing of the him and uh, John Stewart thing if you want the clarification of that. Can I, can I ask, uh, uh, who was this? They know nothing. They know nothing. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. I'm going to sell, sell, sell because that was uh, Rick Santelli? That's Rick Santelli every day. Oh, good point. (laughs) Did you guys used to see him at the Board of Trade a lot? Actually, I do think that was Kramer. It was Kramer. You're right. It was was, was Kramer. But Rick Santelli. was all red face. Yeah. Rick Santelli did the the Tea Party rant. Rick Santelli does that every single day. But most of the filming he did was facing the 30-year or the 10-year pit. I was in the 30-year pit. Can I say this about Jim Kramer? He recently has gone more into this like – I'm not giving an opinion on every stock, whereas during his heyday in the 2008 time frame, you could call him and mention any ticker and he'd have to buy or sell it. Like, that's not how trading works. And if you do that and track that track record, um, you're going to end up in a bad spot. Yeah. And uh, by the way, with that whole segment, and A, Dan, I have a prize for you back there. It is a uh, TA-83 calculator. <laughs> oh, that's that's like 100 bucks. Well, well it. it was in 1983. No, they still are. I actually just saw them recently. They're so expensive still. Well, if we, if we need some calculus to be done. Well, no, we can play like Super Mario on there <laughs> and all the games. Right. But Mark, I think you bring up a, a good point. Is I wasn't doing that. Like just because he, he had the funniest quotes to go back and forth on, that's kind of like why I did that segment. But when people tell you about these things in the markets, it's just anybody that tells you they know where something's going to be like – well, that's a great point to make. I mean, you think about it. We can all sit here and say equity is going to do this. Gold's going to do that. Crude's going to do this. And we can give some ideas of levels of where it may go. At the end of the day, it's just based on how are you going to trade that? What's your appetite for risk to trade that? If that's if you're just an investor and you're a buy side only person and you're looking at stocks and you're just looking for growth, you don't care about the risk involved, then yeah, you know, if someone says buy it, you can buy it and maybe you'll see profits after taking big losses. But ultimately, in this industry, you know, we're talking to retail traders, day traders. Uh, we're not talking mass. We're not talking these massive position guys that are just trying to manage a large position. If we're looking at an outright trader, you have to know where to get in. Mm-hmm. Someone, I can sit here and say equities over time are going to work their way higher. That's what equities do: slow steps up. But where are you going to get in? How are you going to get in? And how are you going to trade that? Well, that's one of my biggest problems with the uh, big short, which I go against all my friends who aren't traders on, is that there's such a selection bias to that movie in that, of course, when you interview the people that came out on top of those huge trades, they're going to look like geniuses. Whereas I was just seeing a story the other day. Uh, there was some some big fund. I forget which one it was. They were invested. They were way short all those uh, mall, mall REITs or something yeah. involving malls. And uh, they'll eventually be right on that. Yeah. Eventually. But now they've gone bankrupt. And that's what they keep on showing in that movie, like little, little, little. It's all about getting in and getting out. And that's the exactly. thing. How many people went bankrupt having the same positions as everyone in the big short but couldn't hold on to the positions? And uh, what is this, 2019? In 2017, 
I went into that year thinking we were at the top. We were due for a correction. Lost my shirt. Oh, yeah. Uh, One of the biggest traders I know back in the 80s, he carried a massive euro position for two years, continued to go against him. But because he had the capital to stick it out, I I have asked him for recommendations. I said, how, you know, what pointers do you have? And he says, don't do what I did. When it went against me, I just added in. I continued to add in this position, but I had the capital to do it. So I was able to manage for two years before it turned around and I was able to make money. And here's the thing, and this is the downfall, and we've covered some of these stories on the blog, and I know Jack's written about them, um, but things like Bill Ackman, right? Like when Herbalife, you know, I know we usually talk futures, but talking stocks, when Herbalife went against him as a short, he was short it, it started going higher uh, icon went on the long side. It just kept going higher and higher. And he had this mentality of, I am right. This is a uh, Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. No. Yeah. Ponzi, Ponzi I am scheme. right. This is a uh, uh, pyramid scheme. This is a pyramid scheme. And um, this company is going to zero. So I'll continue to add to it. And he lost a ton of money doing that and a ton of not just his money, but his investors money. So for most of us, Nearly all of the time, even if you do have billions of dollars, uh, it's a bad strategy to go with. Right. Eventually, no matter what size your bank account is, no matter how much money you have in your account, even if you do believe you're right, even if eventually you are right, this market can eat you up. It's like stepping – I always look at it. You're stepping in front of a steamroller. If you're mm-hmm. trying to fight a direction, you're stepping in front of a steamroll. Eventually, it's going to run you over. You're going to outrun it for a short period of time maybe. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you and you're going to feel – the pain. Yeah. The, 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 the biggest losers I've always had have always been over an extended period of time. Jack, what's the, uh, what's the biggest loser you've ever had? Like, not monetarily wise, but give us a, give us the trade rundown. Oh. Uh, were you, were you intraday at the prop firm or? Well, Fred? okay. Well, we were doing it at the prop firm. So I was part of an auto spreader group where we were trading a lot of flies of like the cash bonds versus the futures. So, uh, this is kind of against, I would say, the standard advice we'd give to retail traders, <laughs> but we were a lot of the uh, uh, fade, 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 make money every day. You were a hedge fade. position. You were a hedge so position, so it wouldn't blow up. So there'd be these overnight uh, overnight blowouts. Some of the biggest losers that I had was um, during the, uh, the, the, the Fukushima reactor. Oh. Obviously, way, way down the list of human tragedy was poor me that day right but uh no like but it's the same thing is on those big moves you had to be like you had to really be modern to get out of out of those positions because these were positions that were hard to get out of like that too especially when the liquidity would drop well that's what happened with long-term capital management right like they were all betting on the spreads and when those spreads kept widening they added to their bets because they knew mathematically that they were wrong and you just can't unravel that position yeah and because it's Halloween and we're talking about spooky trades, the biggest personal loser I've ever had was I got too much into the Dan, Dan Hodgman mindset of like the Fed stuff around like uh, <laughs> 2012 around the Facebook IPO or something mm. where I like bought Facebook after the IPO and it went dipped. I like sold it all like 20 bucks and bought a bunch of gold because I was reading too much Zero Hedge at the time. And <laughs> I don't even want to check what the price is on Facebook, yeah. Facebook versus Facebook. uh, Seven tuppled in gold. Let me tell you the uh, the the gold future Facebook spread between (laughs) twenty twelve and now. I'm gonna have to fade that a long time. Yeah. Oh man. But but eventually you're gonna be right. There's gonna be hyperinflation. There's no. (laughs) No, that's the that's the thing. Getting back to what we were talking about a, a 
I don't know, 28 minutes ago or whatever. Um, I think we've only been on for like 28 minutes. Yeah. Oh, so before we sat down. Uh, getting getting back to what we were talking about with the Fed, though, and, and these ideas of like, you know, it's hard to separate your personal bias. My belief that the Fed is being ridiculous and cutting interest rates at a time that they shouldn't from my everyday trades, which is why I love that advice that Hogue gives um, every day on the market forecast that other professional traders have done where they come into the day, they look at, hey, these are important areas. This is my plan if the market goes higher. This is my plan if the market goes lower. And this is my plan if the market trades sideways. And then you focus not on what the market should do, but what on your what you're going to do in reaction to the market. Absolutely. I, I have some of you may know I have quite an ego. I no. like to win. No, um, never. You know, I, I I played college athlete. I was a college athlete, Marine. Everything, everything I've done in my whole life is just about finding a way to win. And in trading, for me, it was one of the hardest things when I first really started trying to be successful at this. Um, I was very fortunate. My my mentor is also my dad. And he was my first backer. He was my first boss for first prep firm I worked for was his. He's probably a lot harder than some of the other backers would have been on you. Uh, I, I'll get into that in a second. But the first thing that he taught me was it was that made this all kind of start to make sense. Um, I played hockey. He was a hockey player. And the one thing he always said to me was, you cannot look at a trade or a day as a win or a loss. It's just a shift within that hockey game. You're going to get 45 shifts. You're going to get 50 shifts. If you can be successful over time, that's proof of winning that game. You cannot expect it that every day and every trade that you're going to make, you're going to be successful. When I sit down every morning, don't get me wrong. If you guys do listen to me or hear me or talk to me or listen to you know our Facebook or YouTube shows on a regular basis, you'll know I love the long side in equities. I do think that equities have this potential to continue to move to the upside. But each and every day when I sit down and I frame out my trading and I look at the markets, I do know, okay, if it cannot get above this point, I have to accept that I have to look in the other direction. I have to find an opportunity to be short in a day time frame. I do trade longer than days. Sometimes I'm in positions for you know weeks, two weeks, but I have to accept the fact that just because I have a bias, it is always not always the correct bias. And so with me, with training, trading, it's shutting out that bias as soon as I sit down. This is what the market's going to do. Most of my trades are set before I even leave my house in the morning. And I have everything set. It auto triggers when I leave. And whatever happens, happens. And, and to get to the opposite point of that, right? Like as someone who, like I mentioned in 2017, was constantly bearish the market. I had the op like it's the same market, right? Like it's just ticking higher. I had the opposite on the down on the days that did go down. I was adding. I was like, oh, this is this is the big one. That was my mantra. <laughs> and let me tell you, the big one never came. Like I had some good P and L swings on the short side that I traded from the short side. The only problem is I kept adding to it, and then in the eventual tick 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 higher, I got eaten up. So you have to do both. You have to, you know, if you're coming at it from the short side, we have a couple people in the community who are like, you know, in our Facebook community, topsteptrader.com slash Facebook. Uh, Good plug. Who, who will. Limit uh, up. Brought to you by topsteptrader.com slash Facebook. That's right. Uh, who will um, talk about how short they are in the market. And I go in there and from my experience, losing good money, being like, hey, like, 
I get it. You want to be short, but is this the best decision? And on those short days, don't go around taking your victory lap. Like, take your profits. Get the heck out. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's great advice from both of you guys, from both sides of it. And um, We're just sitting up here in the clouds doling out our wisdom. Yeah, I know. Like like Zeus with lightning bolts of trading advice. Absolutely. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's just find ways to make money. Who cares what direction the market goes in? <laughs> if you can make money, even if you were wrong and your goal of where it can go, that's totally fine. If you made money, that's what we're here to do. Yeah. You guys doing anything this weekend entertaining? This is going to drop on Thursday night, so I usually Oh, perfect. Well, if this is Thursday night, uh, tomorrow morning, Friday morning, I'm flying to New York City. Um, We won a- Just a little- uh... Uh, plug for New York City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we no, won a, is, a top step trader brought to you by New York City and some famous person he's about to mention. James Franco. Oh, James Franco. Uh, no, we have a we have a dinner uh, that we won at an auction um, with um, a bunch of the characters of Pineapple Express. You got to throw charity in there. It was for a charity. It, it was for uh, Steppenwolf Theater uh, here in Chicago. Charity auction. Mm-hmm. Good good causes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will be stuck. Uh, oh, Mark's watching my dog. <laughs> stuck watching Dan's dog. Um, no, um, I'm I'm in the market for a dog come the new year, so this uh, this will be good good practice on on dog watching. Nice. What I are did, you doing, Jack? Uh, just staying home. My dog just got neutered and <laughs> still hurting. <laughs> I also, on a related note, I think I have my in laws staying with me this weekend, so that's always fun. <laughs> unrelated I like note. I said an unrelated <laughs> note. An I unrelated note. Related. <laughs> That was a Freudian slip. I doubt that. I love my in-laws. <laughs> They've been very good to me. Have you have you seen uh, the episode of Billions where uh, his dog gets neutered and he ends up buying a like $80 million house in the Hamptons because of it? <laughs> no. I, you know, that was in the very beginning, wasn't yeah, it? Like yeah. First or second season? Yeah, it was like the first season. It was like the first episode. Showtime is not part of my package right now. I have HBO, <laughs> but I have Showtime. You have HBO post Game of Thrones. We got to talk about your financial. Okay, we'll talk about. Right no, now. there's still some great shows on there. Good. There's new shows. Lord. Well, anyway, we're leaving a lot Jack here. Wants us out. We're yeah. leaving a lot here for the editors to cut out. Yeah. Well, no, they can leave it in there. Like uh, you know, post on the blog whether uh, if you're if you're HBO post go 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 HBO <laughs> for Showtime be like. Show, show, show. It's it's showtime (laughs) from the 1994 movie The Mask because I am old. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I think we'll leave it here. Uh, There's going to be another segment that we plug in where we answer some user questions with me and our intern, Martin. Oh. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But in the. um, If you had one question for Martin, what would it be? Yeah. What do we pay you? (laughs) (laughs) Our other intern drives to work every day uh, and parks in the. You're in high school. Yeah, good for Mark. Why are you? We love Mark. Why are you doing a job? It's high school. Go enjoy school. Okay. Yeah, that's but the, a the, teacher, the teachers are on strike. Well, I guess they haven't been the whole time. Uh, oh, tomorrow is. The- yeah, there's a Chicago teacher strike going on. Yeah. If you're listening to it, that'll be the next episode. But in the meantime, it's about time we wrapped up the uh, Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. Uh, by the way, join our Facebook group. Uh, read our blog. Uh, I think we have a phone number that you can call if you want to rant or, you know, say something to me that fact you want to answer. Fact, fact check any of the things. Also, if you had as much fun listening to this as we did making it, let us know. Like, limit up at topsteptrader.com. Leave a rating. If you hated it, leave a rating. 
If you we hated don't care. it, say nothing. Yeah. yeah just and, don't come back. Like, and actually, you know, I had a really great time once we found this is the first time we've kind of done it in this format. So maybe, yeah. you know, every once in a while we'll get together and do this and we'll figure it out. I think it's out. fun. It's a lot of fun. I, I think this is a great time. And I uh, hope we get to do more of these. And we don't do these podcasts for the listener anyway. They're yeah. For us. Yeah, you're right. It's all Just for to us. say we have a podcast. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, have a wonderful weekend yourself. And uh, we'll see you next time. Trade well and namaste. That's what I usually say. So uh, goodbye, everyone. This episode produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.